Outdoor Edge introduces the all-new Razor Guide Pack. Coming in at 12 ounces and in a premium wax canvas roll pack for compact storage and travel, the Razor Guide Pack is seven blades in total, including a 5-inch replaceable blade folding knife, a 3-inch replaceable blade caping knife, and the flip and zip saw for wood or bone. Whether you're hunting the back 40 or chasing game deep in the backcountry, the Razor Guide Pack has it all. For more information, visit OutdoorEdge.com. Welcome to the How to Hunt Deer podcast, which is brought to you by Tacticam. This podcast aims to educate those who are interested in becoming deer hunters, brushing up on essential skills, or maybe just adding a few new tactics to the toolkit. We cover a variety of topics that will help you be more confident and successful in the field while hunting deer. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. I hope your 2023 is off to a fantastic start. Uh, I know mine is. I kicked it off with a little bit of time off of work, a little bit of time not doing a whole lot. I have kind of taken a backseat on social media over the last week or two. I have not done a ton with the podcasts. I've spent a lot of time with the kids, with the wife, and I've been doing some habitat consultation projects. I mentioned that a couple of weeks ago where I am now part of the team with Whitetail Partners and have gotten to spend some time with landowners in the field here recently and have really, really been enjoying that so far. But yeah, hope your new year is off to a good start as well. We've got a great episode in store for you today. We are smack dab in the middle of late season hunting. Now, I've talked about this on other episodes, uh, even talked about this a little bit on other shows, how, you know, late season, we all know, find the food, find the cover, you'll find the deer. But sometimes there is a little bit more to it. So today I'm talking with the one and only Johnny Stewart. If you know anything about Johnny at all, you know that Johnny Stewart and late season hunting go hand in hand. The guy has made a name for himself, killing deer, in the late season, uh, not just in one state, but in a, a myriad of states. And so today in this episode, we're going to talk about how to find the food, not just, hey, find the food, but how do you find it? Specifically, how do you find food in big woods? Uh, how to find where deer are bedding? And a quick hint, a lot of it has to do with where they haven't been pressured. And really about the best times to hunt during the late season isn't necessarily only with the coming of a front or are there other times that might be worth getting into the woods during the late season so stick around here just a moment for that a couple of things before we get started like i say every week if you have not already please do subscribe to this podcast leave us a review if you can if you can leave us a written review that is even better be sure to follow along with us on instagram at how to hunt deer or at the wisconsin sportsman that's my other podcast you can find it also on the sportsman's empire podcast network if you'd like to get a hold of me if you'd like to suggest topics or if you have questions or if you have guests that you want me to have on the show that's the best way for you to reach out to me and then finally of course i have to say thanks to the partners of this show we've got some fantastic partners here with the how to hunt deer podcast uh, first of all, Tacticam. We could not do this without Tacticam. They were the first partners to come on board with us, and they're also our title sponsor. So really pumped to work with those guys. I was checking out their website earlier because there are a few other products that I've got my eye on heading into uh, here in 2023. And uh, just noticed one of the things that I'm real excited about, the Spotter LR, is actually on sale right now for 229 bucks. So that's a great deal. It was 299 Now it's 229 $70 off, so head over to their website, Tacticam.com, where you can find that. And you can also find their whole line of products, including the 6.0 camera, which, man, this little thing is fantastic. 4K, 60 frame per second footage, 
You guys know the stats. I say it almost every single week. For me, the big draw to the 6.0 camera is the LCD touchscreen, which you know allows you to have a lot more control of the camera in a little bit of an easier way, but also allows you to go back and watch that footage right away. So if you're using the camera to confirm your shot, this is going to let you do it without even having to leave the woods. And like I said, you can find all of their stuff at Tacticam.com. Next up, Huntworth. We're talking all about late season. And I cannot talk late season without talking about the Heat Boost line from Huntworth. You guys already know that I was wearing their Tarnin pattern this year. Uh, Have been very, very impressed with that. Here in the late season, their snow camo is going to come really in handy. Their Heat Boost line with graphene technology uh, is a total game changer. It allows you to stay way warmer, way more comfortable, while also cutting down on the bulk and the weight of the clothing. I've been a big fan of the Saskatoon vest, jacket, and pants layer underneath those things just right and uh, man it can get you down to some pretty cool temperatures but if you're going to be out there in some truly frigid temperatures then you might want to check out something like their Matterhorn bibs and jacket to make sure that you can fight off the chill you can find more of their products at huntworthgear.com and then finally onyx maps man onyx goes with me everywhere that i go i mentioned earlier that i've been doing some property consultation and onyx is open literally the entire time i'm always tracking where i am in the field so that I know where I have covered on a specific property and where I haven't yet covered. And then obviously I'm going in, I'm hitting waypoints, I'm taking pictures and adding pictures to my waypoints, putting notes in so that I know exactly what I was thinking when I was in that spot, because you don't want to get back, start putting a plan together for a client and think to yourself, oh my goodness, why is this pin here? Like, What was I thinking was going to happen here? Well, with Onyx, you can keep all of your thoughts together. Right now, you can get a seven-day free trial from them. Just head over to your favorite app store and search Onyx, or you can head to their website, onyxmaps.com. Now let's get into the episode with Johnny Stewart. All right, joining me for this week's episode of the How to Hunt Deer podcast is Mr. Johnny Stewart. Johnny, welcome to the show. Thanks, Josh. Nice nice to have me on, man. time to talk some bucks it's it's never a bad time to talk bucks that's right man hey you know what i've got to say you're one of those guys that um when when i first started when i first reached out and we started talking about have you on, having you on the show it was almost embarrassing like i took over doing this show from dan uh almost a year ago and i was like how have i gone a year without talking mm-hmm. to the johnny stewart like how mm-hmm. how Thanks. have i done that i i don't yeah. understand so man Huge oversight on my part not to have you on by this point. But, uh, man, let's talk about your season so far to get things kicked off. You have been grinding this season. I think you kicked it off in North Dakota. Was that right? Yeah, I was up in North Dakota, and I had a shot at a good deer in velvet. Um, real warm weather, but uh, he kind of come in downwind. I didn't range that area. Caught me off guard. Grunted, took a poke at 35. I thought it was 30. I went under him and... Um, actually tagged a, a decent deer in West Virginia. I live near Pittsburgh and I just went over in near the uh, border of some West Virginia property within an hour of my house. And it's a place I ain't hunted in 20 some years and uh, dropped some cameras. And, you know, the biggest deer I had was like 130, high 20, 30. And, and uh, so it was cool. It was early October, October 2nd. I think I took that deer. So, Things were looking good and until now. We're in December, and I haven't even uh, took a shot at a deer <laughs> since since October second. But um, it's been warm in PA, um, northern PA, where my hunting camp is, and it really shuts the deer movement down. There's a full moon during a rut, so it was really like tough hunting. It didn't pan out. Uh, 
Huntington, Ohio. I got a good acorn crop there. I've been close. I was close in, in archery season. Some some rugged areas I hunt back in the woods, um, and they still got a muzzleloader season left. And and there's a good mast, which which really helps out in in that area because when there's no mast, it's just kind of like big oaks uh, or not big oaks, just oak forest. And and you know, with one thing with Ohio, if you don't um, or if you have private land, you get bait deer. So these deer in this public land are just getting pushed into the you know private and feeding but this year is some good white oaks so there's still it's like never over till it's over so i think ohio runs till february and um so yeah i put a lot of time in this year and because that's what i wanted to do the last few years i was strapped with work and and uh build my hunting camp but um i kind of push myself this year and i feel like sometimes it's not always the best thing to do the areas i hunted are kind of rugged and tough to get so you got to get in early and stay late. It's like, you know, sometimes I push myself, and that's when you kind of slip up and you kind of to get more out because it is still my hobby. I enjoy, it, you know. Um, but I think sometimes it's better when you do like three, four days on, and you get back to reality. Kind of puts that drive back into you when you're working and going going about your daily routine, and, and it makes you want it more. You know, when when you start hunting a lot more often, you're kind of forcing yourself. But I got because a lot of places I was going, getting up at three, driving an hour, then walking an hour up on a mountain, and getting there before daylight. It makes for a lot of long days. Yeah, you know what I mean. Oh, um, for sure. So it's kind of like prioritize what you like. I mean, not that it's kind of like you want to just make it fun still you know what i mean like that's where i'm at i still i like enjoying it when there is work still in my life and and that's work i don't sometimes don't want to make work when i'm working and then work when i'm in the woods you know i kind of did that this year and it, not that it didn't backfire it's just like i didn't enjoy it as much you know what i mean everybody thinks it's it's great to hunt like all you know it's it becomes a job if you're working you're hunting that much it's like you know so yeah, for sure. I mean, you're you're here now at the the tail end of a pretty long, grueling season. I mean, if it's if it's gonna ever feel like work, now's the time. I uh, yeah. I, I actually took two weeks this year for kind of the longest hunt that I've ever done. I slotted out uh, 15 days that I was gonna be in Wisconsin, and um, man, it was it was really tough. You know, I I looked at it and I was like, man, this is gonna be awesome. I'm gonna get up there. I'm gonna hunt all the time. It's gonna be great. Yeah, and about day. Th- Four, I was like, holy smokes, this is a lot of work, you know, getting up early. And, and I was still working, so I was working at night. I was doing a lot of my uploads and stuff for the network, doing that in the evenings from like, you know, whenever I'd get home at 8 o'clock and do that till midnight, then get up at 3 or 4 in the morning. That was uh, that was a, a, a lot more to bite off than I expected. It sounds like a great thing, but it's – I look at it like uh, – sprinting or running you can't sprint for 200 yards it can't be done like when you're doing it's not like we're hunting areas that are like okay i'm just hunting the edges being i got a 100 yard walk it's you know it's like it's grueling to get back and I, I make it i always try to challenge myself and i'm going back in the woods or up this mountain or a steep face and it's you know it's a so it is like you need just short bursts like you know what i mean it's like hit it and get in and get out, you know, so it consists of, but, um, and then again, it comes down with how bad do you want it? I mean, if you want a deer, so kill deer so bad, you could just taste it. Then you could probably do it in, in eight, 10 days. You could do that every day and you kill it. But 
I think the older I get, I've, I've experienced that in the past. I've done it. It's like, you know, back of my head, it's like, I don't, I'm not going up. Like, I'm going to shoot maybe 145 inch deer, which I already shot a bunch of. It's like, I already did it. You know what I mean? But it's yeah. like, yeah. I just, I think I get, as older I get, I just want to enjoy it, you know, and enjoy hunting with other people and seeing them have success and help people. And, and, and cause I feel like that's where I'm at. You know what I mean? So yeah. it looks like you've done a good bit of that this year, hunting with other people is, has that been normal for you in the past? Um, usually it, no, usually it's just myself. I go about my, I think a few years back when I, I was really serious about my hunting, I was just so like obsessive that like, and, and I, people wouldn't want to do what I did. You know, like I was going out often and going, um, cause I wanted it. That's so that's when I wanted it. And then now that I'm older, like I said, I want to enjoy hunting with other people and seeing them hunt and seeing their driving. But when I hunt with people that I can associate with it, it pushes me to, all right, let's go. You know, it's like, you gotta be optimistic. You gotta want it. You gotta, you know, you gotta be persistent and stuff. We're going to have a bunch of good traits and like, you know, when you get with a successful deer hunter, um, you can feed off that guy too. There are not many successful deer hunters are like, Oh, we're not going to see a deer. Oh, I don't want to get up early. So if you get to know good people and put yourself around good people, then you'll, you'll start, I could feed off of them. Like, Hey, you know, there's all the hunting I did. I was hunting with my buddy, Jake Belinda today, and he drove an hour and a half to hunt with me and we hunted and he's going to go drive to New York and hunt tomorrow. Like it's guys like that. It's, you know, and it's, you know, when you get to the point where it's like, whether you shoot the buck or I don't know, we're just enjoying our hunt. You know what I mean? But being with someone that knows what they're doing and, and, and it just, it, you can feed off each other and, and especially hunting these harder areas, you know, you, you get with people like that, it, it really helps your, your morale is up, you know, it's anytime, anything you do in life, if you, if it's like a negative Nancy and you're, you know, you're a pessimist and it's like, I don't want to be around you. You know what I mean? Just it's just going to help you in whatever you're doing to keep wanting to go after it. You know what I mean? If you're a new hunter and you just want to, you want that deer so bad. So eventually it's going to happen. It might take a few years, but if you have that attitude and it drives and you persist, then it'll happen, you know? Yep. Man did. So are you going to push it all the way into, uh, into February this year hunting Ohio or what, what's the plan or is it, just like, I, I just need one more buck and I'm done for the year. So I, last year I was in, I was down Ohio in January and I was still bow hunting and my buddies were in camp and they were shed hunting and they went across the road from camp and they found a handful of fresh sheds. And it was probably like January 21st, 22nd. And I was hunting another mountain and I got back that night and they brought all these fresh horns and I threw the towel in and. I end up drinking that night. Like it was like a celebration. Like I'm not going out tomorrow. I'm done for the season. But, um, this year, I don't know. I'm going to, uh, we're going to go to, um, Alabama and hunt in February. Try to, um, get there starting to rut down there. We're going to try that out. Dude, let's, um, uh, let's talk off air. I'm hitting Alabama in February as well. Are you? I'm originally from Alabama. Yep. Oh no shit. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So anyway, we'll talk about where offline. Uh, don't, don't need folks crowding around too much, but, uh, man, man, let's, let's talk a little bit about kind of how you got to be where you are today. I mean, you've been highly successful on public land. 
but not just public land in like one area. Like I think of folks and, and not taking away anything from them, but they're successful on public land in one type of terrain or in one kind yeah. of area. And that's great. I, you know, good for those guys, man. They've got it really dialed in. I would kind of put myself in that category. I've had some decent success in a specific kind of, you know, terrain. Habitat, throw, yeah. throw me in the big woods here in North Georgia that where I just moved. And I'm having a really tough time figuring out what these deer are doing. Right. But you have kind of had success all over the place. Can you, but before we jump into talking specifically, you know, late season, maybe go into what has uh, influenced you the most, or maybe what was the moment where you went from being a guy who likes to hunt deer to like this stone cold, consistent killer that we know today as the Johnny Stewart. Well, I think uh, when I was younger, I would read every magazine article I can get my hands on. And I was, you know, I'm talking 20 to 25 in the 30 years ago now. And it wasn't, they were, weren't hunting the same area. So I think mm. it took me down the wrong path. And I think it was guys maybe in the Midwest, you know, and I would hunt, you know, I grew up near Pittsburgh and just in that area and in the Northern woods a little bit. And, and so maybe the things that were happening for them and, and they were seeing, uh, help them get deer. It wasn't like what I was, I could associate. Like, I didn't know. I, I just did what I was told, but it was a different habitat, a different, a whole different scenario of hunting. And I think that's, uh, you got to make sure if you're listening to someone about, uh, hunting, it's got to be something, someone that you can relate to. Same area, you know. It's just where, 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 where are you hunting? You know, as in compared to the guy that's writing an article or telling you everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. And don't listen to everything I say. Don't listen to everything. Use your own. There's got to be your own spin on, on what you're seeing out in the woods. Because I think, so I started just going and learning as much as I could from deer in general, you know, um, I, I was under the assumption that deer would go to the fields at night. Like that's, they wouldn't even come out in the daytime. Like, no, there's too much hunting. It was just like trails, just bedding, feeding. It was just real general. And it was like, there was so much, many more pieces to the puzzle. And it, it wasn't until I just eliminated every, any other influence on hunting deer um, and just learned from the animals myself, even before trail cameras, um, and just being intimate with that habitat. Um, but there are, and then what I what I found was like the areas I it it would come down to it was all pressure related. Even now, like and then when I would travel to other states, where are the guys accessing? Like then it comes it comes so full circle to where what's what's going on? What are they doing? They're just trying to survive and, you know, put yourself in their shoes and, and imagine that you lived in your house and someone was hunting you like that's going to change how you're going to move around your house. If there's someone in your house trying to kill you, like <laughs> you're going to sneak to the bathroom, you're going to sneak to eat. You're going to do it at nighttime. And like it comes, it gets to be that clear where it's like, how can I survive? And that's their biggest, they're put on this earth to survive before breeding, before, you know, like feed survival is number one. 
and and so that's what, how they learn. And it's just, it's still, it's like, it still amazes me and other people that they see what these deer do just to survive, you know, and it's like, it's you're blown away, but they're that intelligent or, or are they? It's like, I talk about like a balance scale. It's all like, even when you're listening to other people, like in one area, I'll talk about, I did this, you know, and it kind of brings your scale down, like the weights down here, but the, there's opposite side of that. In one area, I'm going to do the 180 to have success, you know, but you just got to like use your own twist, you know, take from other people, but just like pieces, just take all these pieces, but don't think it's black and white. And that's another thing I was wrong when I was younger. I thought it was like, this is what I need to do to kill like deer. It's like, it's black and white in, in hunting in general, or like, you know, two-year-old, three, four, up in the mature deer range, it's it's not, it's a gray area. They're all, but it always comes back to survival, you know, and, and getting to where people aren't, you know, and I, and my buddy Bo Martonic, he, he just, I recently posted or wrote an article, and, and, and he's, you know, people asked him where to be your bed, and it's something that I always said is like, it's where people, or where are they? It's where people aren't, you know, yeah. so find them, them areas and, and just get real basic with it. Hey, where are the, if, and then see where guys are hunting and, and, and go where they're not. Or I even seen them satellite. You even hear about people seeing bucks bed near parking lots and, and, and stuff like that. Cause these deer want to know, you know, like if, if, if you knew someone's trying to kill you, you know, and you'd kind of like, you knew a little bit about him, you kind of, learn his tendencies and, and where he's going to be. And, you, you know, and you could help you, you survive if you knew about how he was coming after you, you know, but um, I think that's the biggest thing is I just started learning from the animal itself in the area I hunted and it all come back down to like pressure related. And, and, and I'm just talking about uh, the hunt in the public land or pressured land I did when I was younger. Um, it's all pressure related, just, I don't care. You throw rubs and scrapes out the window and, you know, it, that might all be nocturnal, but it, it just comes, I think you're going to find deer like we hunted today in an area where, um, rifle season, no one was been in there. I was in there and I just knew that, wow, this is going to be deer have been in here and it, it'll change from year to year. Sometimes guys will come in and hunt an area and they'll ruin an area and then they'll move on. They ruined it for themselves. And then, the deer get back in there. Like you got to keep checking areas and, and see how the hunting pressure is, you know? And I, I sometimes even just, there's times I would just drive down a road. Everybody's in a woods hunting and I'd go, okay, there's nobody parked here. And if you know, intimately know the land where you're reading maps, dropping pins, you got Spartan Forge or whatever. And it's man, the things that are out there to use, but it doesn't mean you can't use boots on the ground. That's an important tool. And, and, know the area um even when i was younger before all the mapping i kind of in my brain i had a own painted my own picture of what the landscape or the terrain was and i could even even now i even try myself like i'll go in the woods like today not even use my maps just you know we parked in one vehicle and the other one was probably two to three miles away and i just navigated through the woods would never even pulled my phone out and knew how to get to that so that that helps to intimately know the land you know, like the deer do, because, you know, 
um, once you know what they know, you'll never know it as good as them. But if you know how they navigate, you know, they, that you know where the points are or the, the valleys and the creek or the food. And, and then, you know, where people are pressuring them and how they live according to the pressure. Then it's like, man, I can, I can have success, you know, and, and like I said, and going other places, just like, okay, where's the pressure? That's number one, you know? Hey guys, just want to take a quick minute to let you know that the How to Hunt Deer podcast is brought to you by Tacticam, makers of the best point of view cameras on the market for hunters and anglers. They're on the cutting edge, making user-friendly cameras to help the everyday outdoorsman share your hunt with friends and loved ones. Their new 6.0 camera has a ton of upgraded features this year, but the one I'm most excited about is the new LCD touchscreen. In my mind, that's a total game changer. And one area Tacticam really shines is with their mounts and adapters that are made with the sportsman in mind. If you've tried to film your hunting and fishing excursions in the past, you know how frustrating it can be to get an action camera aimed just right or get it attached to your weapon or in a good spot for a second angle. Well, Tacticam makes all of that a breeze with their line of accessories. This fall, I'll be using their stabilizer mount on my bow with a 6.0 camera and their bendy clamp paired with the 5.0 wide camera for a second angle and to make sure I don't miss any of the action. To learn more and check out their full line of products, head over to their website, Tacticam.com. Share your hunt with Tacticam. A lot to take away from that. So, um, you know, key things, deer want to survive. I heard you say this, I think, two or three times. Survival is number one, right? Like yeah. above food, above breeding, survival is number one. And that that's huge. I think folks can put that in their back pocket. Um, but then also just learning from the deer. Right. Like not trying to take too much of what other people say, especially not take wholesale everything somebody else says, but pick a little bit here, learn a little bit there, put that together and then putting it all together with what you know of the of the property. I think, you know, probably the best thing that guys can do is get to know their hunting property better more than more than reading magazines, more than listening to podcasts, more than watching YouTube videos. Learn your property better. Get out there and walk the thing and then walk it the other direction and have a better understanding of the lay of the land. And like you said, you're going to figure out a lot more of what the deer are doing. Uh, man, you've gotten a, a quite a reputation when it comes to hunting late season. And I mentioned before, but you've got a variety of places that you hunt. You've hunted, uh, for instance, ag country. Like in Iowa, I think. Were you in uh, Iowa late season year or two ago, something like that? Uh, it's been a couple of years, yeah, definitely. Okay, so I, I I remembered that you've also hunted big woods in the late season. You've also done some tracking in the snow in the late season. Uh, you've also hunted mm-hmm. where there's no snow in the late season. So you've got a yeah. lot of tricks up your sleeve, man. Talk to me a bit about uh, the different kinds of places that you like to hunt late season, and let's maybe break down a little bit how your strategy adapts to the different locations and conditions that you find yourself in? Well, I think um, late season, it's always, you're like, you're at the mercy of what's left in the woods. Is there a box left to hunt? You know, and anytime you have snow, it makes things a lot easier. Cold weather. So these three things, you know, hopefully the hunting pressure wasn't much wasn't bad through gun season. Like up here in PA, there was no snow through gun season. Um, so you're like, it's not like, you know, when you're in a rut, it's like the deer all there. The hunting season hasn't been in. You have your like pick of the litter. You know what I mean? But in the late season, it's like things can be against you. So anything that 
you know, any little help you can get. Hopefully you can get some snow, definitely cold weather. And hopefully you can find that food source. And one thing that is a turn for the better is that there is less pressure, you know? So, and you always want to know what's, you know, you kind of have to do some type of scouting to know what, what deer are killed or what deer's left. You know, you can't go by your trail camp pictures in November. That's out the door, you know? So I like to try to leave cameras up or have some like historical data on where deer go to, like in the big woods, they'll, they'll, they'll winter in certain areas In other States, it might be, um, whether the mast is still good, you know, if they're up in a forest, um, or if there was some private property where they're, you know, they're feeding and bedding on the, on the public land. Um, so there's a, there's a bunch going on, you know, but, and I would always just watch the weather a lot. Okay. Like Ohio's is getting, you know, some snow or, or which is rare or Iowa. When it gets good, they got a three, four days of cold weather, you know, and I need to get out there and hunt them three, four days. Um, sometimes when it's windy, the trees are cracking, blowing that, that really makes the deer antsy and they'll just move all day. Cause they're just nervous. They can't hear, you know, their sense out the window, you know, when they, they're basically all they got their sight, you know, they want to have, you know, a few things in their favor and, and it's just like they, they'll get in herds and they'll move. So I've seen deer on days like that is just blustery windy and it's just deer just moving all over you know but definitely with the cold weather they have to move more and they have to feed more you know so if you can get that food source if you know where they're at but it's all like like i said i'll look at the different states in the country where i got tags left and like okay the weather's getting cold here you know there, there's some good mass and in and so this area i'm hunting in ohio this year is like the white oak crop was huge. It was, I haven't seen it that good in years. So I'm like chomping it a bit to get down there again. And we would had gone down there for a, a, a two day gun season and I wasn't looking forward to it. It was the 17th and 18th of December. And cause it wasn't, you know, I want to be able to get into my spot quietly, you know, down there, the leaves were piled up and it was so crunchy. I couldn't even get into the forest. Um, so I'd look and see, man, hey, there's a little bit of wind coming. There's some rain. It's damp. I can sneak through. I got a gun. I like to move a little more. I can sneak through the woods. I can have a chance. And we went down anyways, but it was like they could hear you coming a mile away. Um, but, yeah, like up in these big woods, we got some snow here in PA. And actually over the weekend, the season didn't start till 26th of December for Flintlock and bow hunting. But, um the wind was blowing the 24th and 23rd, 24th. It was like, that was the time to be in the snow was down. So we got up here and, and it was like uh, two inches of ice underneath two inches of snow. And it was dead calm. And it was just brutal trying to get around. Um, I mean, if I, in, in, for the most part, I'm traveling to hunt, even in PA, I got to travel two and a half hours. Ohio's five, six hours or all, you know, so it's like, so everything you can put in your favor, you know what I mean? It, it helps out. Um, but I had these two days and there was snow down was a help, but, um, man, if you can get a fluffy snow, you can, um, you can really sneak through the woods and get a chance at a deer, you know, but I think most part is just what, you know, where's your best chance of success based on food, weather, you know, and, and hunting pressure. It's them, them three things I'm looking at, you know, 
that really helped me decide when, and it's not always like, I don't never like living where it's like, I have this week off for the rod or this, like, I don't, I need to go to my place and hunt when I, you know, luckily my work allows me for the most part, um, to get to where I want to hunt, when I want to hunt it, when the conditions are right, when the odds are in your favor, you know, whether it is the rut or, or late season, I'm always just checking the weather and, and, and learning, knowing where the mast is or, or if it, you know, if it's a state, you know, I'll, if I can get some snow, that's, that's number one. You know, you can see where maybe hunters are or just where deer, like a two days after a snow, if you can get out and hike around, you could really, learn where the deer are they'll just tell you it's it's like you don't need any camera you know if you can read tracks and and stuff like that it's like that's number one snow is probably the biggest key to my late season hunting you know yeah and let me throw a a, a curveball at you then if, if snow is kind of one of the big keys for you and you know spending a lot of time hunting in wisconsin i'm i i have seen that uh how beneficial that can be um now I'm hunting in the big woods of North Georgia. There is, I covered six miles the other day scouting, mm-hmm. right? I saw zero deer sign, basically a couple rubs here and there, but no real yeah. discernible trails, real low deer density area. Yeah. Um, no mast left on the ground whatsoever. And just can't find a spot that is giving me any sort of confidence. Now there are, some uh, clear cuts on the property. The problem is those clear cuts, I, I was banking on needing to get further back into the property. Um, and that's kind of where the hardwoods and all of that are, the, what I would consider more big woods type setting. The clear cuts all have really easy hunter access. So I was staying away from mm-hmm. those expecting, well, those have been getting pounded already, but I found nothing back in the, uh, back in the big woods. So uh, how are you going to adjust one to there being no snow and two to covering those really remote areas and realizing there's no deer back here? Mm-hmm. Well, like you were saying about the cuts near the road, I mean, if the, if the pressure is down, they might hang out near the road and feed in there. And, you know, then it comes into like, what's your percentage, what's your odds of seeing a deer? Cause I've, like the area hunting northern where I'm at right now, northern PA, like even back into uh, November, the rut, it's vast. You know, there's different areas in the country that are some places are easier to kill deer than others. You know, and and I, the reason I hunt in these harder areas because I want the challenge. You know, that's what I'm looking for. But when you get into areas where there's just like just like you said, if there's no mass, there's browse. I feel like the more I learn about the animals in these areas, the more I learn, I don't know enough because they're like, they just roam. It comes down to that. Like even in the winter, like, so it's harder to pat, like to shoot a particular deer in that area. Say you're trying to just go for a certain buck, you know, that, that could be really difficult. Um, They just, they come down to Roman. They, they don't, they're them themselves as prey don't want to be, um, patterned. They live their life that way. Like whether it's coyotes or humans, you know, if they laid in the same bed every day and fed in the same spot every day, it was like point A to point B. Anything, any predator is going to get onto that. 
you know, they'll, they'll live where they just, it's just kind of like, so it becomes difficult in situations like that. And you get the bucks that will roam miles. If it's the same terrain, habitat, food source, just everywhere, browse And even like the area in PI hunt, there's not much topo, you know, if you have some topo in, in Georgia there, like you can get into areas where maybe on a point or a bench or, you know, if the guys are coming from the top, get lower on a hill, but still like, there's a lot of these places. Like I know, like if you have three days, it's like, chances are, I'm not going to see a deer. I'm not going to get it done. It's just that type of area. You, you're not going to be like, this is the area. Like there's a lot of things I learned about here in PA where like the scrapes are not all there's community scrapes where like a lot of the deer, but the bigger bucks don't even, it'll just stay downwind of it. Not even. So it's like, you know, this buck lives, like put yourself in his shoes again to where like, if you just, if you're over here living on this hillside or just hanging out on this hillside, you know, and you're like, I need to find a doe. Well, like even as a hunter, you can kind of know where the does are if you're hunting during a rut. And if he's over here, he might beeline right to these doe that he want to go check here. Like I know when they're laying in her bed, they're actually, okay, where am I going next? Where do I want to go? It's like, maybe you talk to your wife about, Hey, where do we want to go for dinner? It's like in your head, you or you talk it out to her. We have five restaurants you can go to. You know what I mean? It's like, there's five different doe areas I want to go to. And then he'll go to this one. And be like, ah, and then he might follow this doe to this area and then back this way, you know. Um, so it's not always that easy in certain areas. You just got to weigh it out in your mind. Is this an area, you know, that it's like, wow, if you're like, wow, this is tough. Well, then, you know, you, you need a lot of days and a lot of time in a stand to, to catch this random deer moving through, you know, yeah. that. but there are areas where there are, you know, higher concentrations of food you know, or does like, yeah, that's going to be a lot easier, but, um, it's all in, I guess, how big of a challenge you want, you know, or, you know, how bad do you want a deer, whether, you know, if you maybe you have to go try a different area, you know, but it sounds like the area you're talking about a lot of random movements, a lot of brows, um, it might take you days and days for this deer and it might not be um you knowing and patterning patterning an animal to get that deer it might just be like i caught him randomly coming through because the area i'm hunting here in pa it's kind of the plateaus of the allegheny national forest uh the allegheny mountain chain it's it's flat and there's no mass and there's browse everywhere and the more i learn about i'm hunting this area eight ten years and the more i know the more i just like there's, I, you know, I feel dumb because it's like I can't <laughs> pattern these animals and I can't say this, you know, he's coming through here and it's not like that. It's just, they just randomly, and then you even learn more in the snow when they're just, well, it's different. Their nose is staring them to feed and just smell, but um, it is like that. It's just a lot of random new movements that keep you alive. So where some people might listen, it's like, I'm hunting that area. I, I don't, well, the more I learned, like, the dumber I feel in, in these areas. Cause it's like, there's a lot of, um, stuff you can't pattern, you know, just, but just break it down to like, you know, maybe thermals are rising, you know, in the morning, he wants to be up high, you know, the bucks are mainly wanting to be up high, you know, but 
Um, the rut is another time that you really can't pattern a lot of deer because it's just like, you know, it's the smell of the does that are just driving them. And it's just like ping pong ball to where I think that's why I like late season because I can really get some t- type of pattern on a deer, you know, um, in my areas in the Northern area, you know, where they have to feed, you know, they're depleted of their, you know, their fat stores, you know, their stored fat. And, and you can say, Hey, I know this deer has to feed, you know, and, and he lets his guard down to do that, you know, but, um, you know, and it all comes back to what time of year are you hunting, you know, that area, you know, um, but that Northern Georgia area, you know, I haven't been there, but I mean, I've East scouted a little bit in that area in Alabama. And, and I, in my mind, I'm like, this isn't easy. This isn't an easy area. And I thought, you know, I could just I drop pins, but it's like, I was going to go down there last year, I think, or the year before. I'm just like, no snow. It's like, wow, this is, this is going to be tough. <laughs> Yeah, and I think I actually opted out. I went to Minnesota. I think when there was snow, I was like, I just, I can't do it. I don't have the time, and you know, and I could see myself putting days in, maybe scouting, and coming up with like, I don't have a high percentage, you know, weigh weigh it in your mind. What's what's my chances here? Honestly, be optimistic. Don't, but you have to be realistic too in your hunt. You can't be like, yeah, these guys are killing bucks. I'm going to go out and then. You know, but realistically, what's your chances of seeing a deer in that area? You know, so um, it can be it can be tough in the different areas. You know, that you hunt and and then weigh your odds. You know, like that's what I do. I watch the weather and like late season. You know, it might be better, but in general, you know, the different states and different areas. Um, you know, it's it's tougher in some areas than than others. You know, this episode is brought to you by the Onyx Hunt app. Onyx gives you up-to-date landowner information, color-coded public and private land boundaries, and gives you a ton of tools to help you hunt smarter. One tool I'm loving right now is their optimal wind feature, which lets you set the optimal wind for a given location, then tells you in real time whether the wind is good, bad, or just okay for that spot. You can try it risk-free for seven days right now. Just download the Onyx Hunt app on your preferred app store today. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, one of the things that I noticed while uh, living and hunting in Wisconsin was just how congregated these deer can be, um, you know, during the late season. I remember uh, I used to take the kids out for deer drives and that kind of thing. We'd drive around in the evenings, just look at the deer in the snow and all of that because they were real predictable hitting these ag fields at certain times. And we'd pull up to certain fields and there'd be 70 to 100 deer, you know, out. Yeah. feeding in a, in a picked cornfield. And in that group, you'd see bucks, you know, out in the middle milling around, mature bucks even out there milling around uh, without a lot of concern. They're right there in the middle of this huge group of deer. It seems like at other times, though, and in other settings, uh, bucks have been less um, less inclined, let's say, to get with those deer that are grouped up. I mean, we see a little bit of that down here in the south as you know, food sources become a little more scarce this time of year. You do see the does starting to kind of concentrate together again, but it doesn't seem like the bucks are are uh, okay with the same amount of social pressure. What have you noticed about buck behavior as it relates to, you know, high deer concentration areas? You know, how, how willing are they to put up with being within a big group of deer, and how often are you seeing them just kind of off doing their own thing in the late season? I think uh... – for the most part, I feel like some, 
lower deer density areas is like I feel like Buckswood Bachelor up again. You know, I think um, higher deer density areas, I'd, I'd feel bucks and feeding with does um, in, in a larger group, you know, but I think lo- the lower deer density areas, I mean, um, I feel like they're just, they can, they'll run into someone in the woods like a buddy and, hey, hang out, you know, and go get like, just like you, you're running your buddy and it's like, hey, you want to go get something to eat? Let's go get a bite to eat. Like, hey, hang out, you know, and they might spread, go off in their own direction. I think um, some mature bucks, I, I think, don't always like, maybe with a mature doe, but younger deer, um, they might use them as like a pawn, like a young buck or like, uh, I don't, you don't usually see them going with younger does unless it's coming in heat or, or, or stuff like that. Um I feel like they just want to be either a loner, the mature deer, or with maybe someone of their caliber, or if they can use them as a pawn, like I've seen them send a little buck out before they go out. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, um, I mean, I noticed today um, some wintering areas here, and it's all different all over the country. I mean, where there's a lot of feeding, and I'm seeing doe sign and buck sign, but it's, it's like where the food source is, and you know, years of hunting this area, I can kind of, I go right to where I know deer wintered over the, over the years and what they would feed on, like being out of, you know, a leeward side and, you know, like a steeper hill. I feel like with the snow, they can pop through the, the, the snow easier. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, the, you know, my friends in Iowa, they, you know, in January, they see a hundred deer in a field too, and bucks and does and, and, and stuff like that, just kind of like a herd mentality. You know what I mean? When the, there's no food in a forest, you know, it's kind of like there's no other answer. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's, it's high concentration and that's where we got to go. And it just, and I've seen them in them type of settings where, you know, like the deer be scattered out in the forest, maybe bedded and then bucks used the rest of it to be like a domino effect in higher constant, higher populated areas. They were just like, you get an open forest and, you know, you bump one, it's like the whole herd's gone. You know, that buck's going to position himself in the middle of that, you know, to use him to his advantage. And it all comes back to survival and him, what he, as he learned, how can he use these other dumb deer? Because he's getting older and smarter and he knows what, you know, knows the tricks of the trade. And, and he use some of them deer as a pawn or position himself where he's, he's safe, you know. And, and if a predator is coming, can alert him to the, you know, the deer coming uh the predator or whatever, you know, whether it be a hunter or a coyote. So, yeah. So we've, we've talked a, a, a lot about some, I guess, late season staples, right? We've talked about the food. We're looking for mast. We're looking for browse. We're looking for any areas where the deer have something left over to eat. We've talked about bedding. Basically where are people not, where have people not been pressuring? Yeah. Uh, so yeah. put those two things together. We got bedding, we have food, be somewhere in the middle of that. When I think of late season hunting, I most often think of hunting in the afternoons, almost going back to an early season kind of pattern where a lot of guys don't like to hunt in the mornings. Talk to me about your thoughts on hunting mornings in the late season and how you approach that. Cause I have a feeling you don't do a lot of traveling out of state to sit at camp in the morning. Yeah. Um, for the most part. Yeah. You, you know, I feel like the deer are usually bedded by daylight. Now this morning, morning here in PA was different. Um, it's been cold, I think five degrees this weekend, up into 10 degrees. Monday, Tuesday was at 15. 
Um, today was 30 some to where daylight, we were just getting out of daylight to get to our spot and deer were just moving everywhere. I think it was just the warm weather coming, you know, but for the most part, you're looking at a, a time when it's cold at night and it, and it warms up during the day. And I feel like, um, like the coldest time, I feel like sometimes they just, they bed down and I, they like just let the, the sun come up and things come to life and just like here for a long distance, you know, and no, and just be calm and quiet. And then, yeah, maybe 10, 11 o'clock, start feeding, move around, change bed. And, and then, you know, maybe go to that certain food source in the evening or if, if they're bedded close by. But um, today was a, a weird day that the deer were, were up and, and moving early, you know, but um, for the most part, it's afternoons. Um, mornings, I've been out in the mornings, if you can stand the cold, you know, because it's the cold, sometimes it's 10, 15 degrees, you know, and for the most part, the deer ain't moving, but then um, can you get in? Because I think a lot of these deer, in my opinion, are, are, are better right around the daylight. You're not, not saying every deer, but I just feel like over my years, my experience, I feel like before light, in the light, I feel like they're most part, they're bedded. You know, I don't know that, but just relate to all the hunting I've done, you know, um, that's what I see. But, I mean, there are times when you can get out in the morning. If, if like, if I was in, like, maybe and if I had a hardcore place that I knew, like, bucks were going to be bedding, feeding, um, with the, the trend of the warming weather this morning, I'd probably... Um, if I was going to post somewhere, we were putting some drives on, kind of one-man drives. I probably could have, I would have maybe gone out before light or snuck in at daylight, you know what I mean? Because deer were definitely moving. But then I know there's times that I've hunted um, with higher deer density areas um, with a lot of hunting pressure, and all the hunting pressure was in the afternoon, you know, and I would, there's times I would go in, before daylight, get in them bedding areas and just wait for them deer. You know, it, it, it worked for me a few times. It's doing a complete opposite of what all the hunters do through October, November, and December, and, and you're just like throw a curveball at them. You know, if but it's higher deer density areas, and I knew where they were going to bed, and and I could, you know, it was another scenario where there were so many. It was a heavily populated populated deer density, and you couldn't even get in the forest without deer like domino effect running out the other side and i said well i'm gonna get in there and just like catch them coming in before light you know and i'd go in an hour or so before light and get in and their whole demeanor was different because they never been pressured and it comes back to mm -hmm. pressure they never it's not just hunting pressure and when are these people pressuring these deer like you know you get in a january everybody hunts from two to three four five in the afternoon but nobody's hunting before light into the daylight so it's like hey this is um the time to survive you know what i mean this is the this is the time that you were not going to see humans you know and we can be let our guard down a little bit you know if you're always looking over your shoulder someone's killing that's kind of gets exhausting you know what i mean so they get you know there's that time when they can be themselves pretty much you know yeah um early in the morning and catch them off guard you know yeah, that's good. Man, one more thing that I want to ask you about. You just mentioned it there. Um, you know, with this warming trend, deer were kind of up on their feet quite a bit. We all, you know, another thing that I associate with late season hunting is everybody wants the nastier the weather, the better. 
The colder, the better. The more snow, the better. The worse, the better, because that's going to drive them to the food. Growing up in the South, we always noticed something a little bit different. When we would have big cold fronts come through that our deer just were not used to, it was like they wouldn't really move much that morning. And then as you got later in the morning, the frost starts to melt off, that kind of thing, because for us, a, a hard frost was like, oh, my goodness, that's freezing cold. Uh, that's yeah. when we would start to see deer. And over the next couple of days, it would be really good, even as it began to warm up. Are you seeing something mm-hmm. similar here in that late season, you know, as with warming trends? Or are you saying, nah, I need it to be real cold all the time? I think if you get a stretch of cold weather, for, for the most part, they might bed through the first section of the cold weather, but then they're going to get, um, they're going to get up and move, you know, um, after the front's gone or whatever, but, um, on the backside of it, you know what I mean? They might feed yep. before it and on the backside, they'll start moving, um, of the front. Um, but, but if it's cold for a long stretch, you know, you'll, you'll just catch them moving around. But like, like if you get a long cold spell and then, I feel like sometimes these deer will bed when it's cold a lot. You know what I mean? And then like they will throughout a 24 hour period, if it's really cold, they're going to um, maybe like at night really huddle up and conserve their energy. And then during a the day they'll move more, you know, when the weather's warm, when they can move some, you know, when, 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 it, when the weather's warmer, they like to move more. But um, yeah, it's like, like today I had a cold stretch and then it was like, man, it was just like, Hey, it's like kind of yourself. We get some nice weather. Hey, I want to go outside. You know, we got some like, Hey, it's nice outside. Let's go outside. So I feel like it's kind of like a situation like that too, you know? Yep. Um, but yeah, nasty cold weather makes them, makes them really move, you know? Sure. Sure. No, that's good. So don't, don't let a warming trend keep you inside though. If you've got the day to hunt, it's not like it's just going to totally shut down deer movement. You know, there's yeah, like a cold, long cold spell and it starts warming up on the backside. It's like, hey, I, I feel like the deer are going to start moving, you know? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, man, thank you so much for coming on. I, I appreciate this conversation on late season. Like I said, you've made a reputation for yourself uh, getting it done in the late season. And you know what? You're out there still grinding right now. But if there's anybody that I had to put my money on when it comes to they're going to get it done in the late season, you'd be up uh, near the top of that list. So, Good luck to you over the next couple of days and weeks. And uh, hang on for just a second after we quit recording. I want to talk more about Alabama. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Josh. That's all for this week's episode. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. If you dig this show, be sure to subscribe to this podcast, wherever it is that you get your podcast. If you could leave us a five-star review, I would very much appreciate that. While you're at it, you can follow along with my outdoor adventures on Instagram at howtohuntdeer. That's also the best way to get a hold of me. Suggest topics that you want to hear, guests you want to hear from, or questions that you'd like me to explore on the show. Big thanks to our partners, Tacticam, Huntworth, and Onyx. Please go support the brands that support this show and help me bring you great content each and every week. If you're looking for more outdoor content, check out thesportsmansempire.com where you're going to find my other podcast, The Wisconsin Sportsman, as well as a ton of other awesome outdoor podcasts.